2: And welcome back to The Exxon, I am Rob McConnell, and uh, this hour we're going all the way from Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, where our broadcast studios and uh, center is, to New Zealand uh, for our very special guest this hour, Jonathan Gray. Now Jonathan is an international explorer, archaeologist, and author. Jonathan has traveled the world to gather data on ancient mysteries. He has penetrated some largely unexplored areas, including parts of the Amazon headwaters, The speaker has also led expeditions to the bottom of the sea and to remote mountain and desert regions of the world. His team has slept in the ruins infested with scorpions, dived among sharks, and dodged terrorist bullets. He has authored 54 books and produced 50 DVDs, and is a guest on numerous international radio and television programs. His website is www.beforeus.com. And Jonathan Gray, welcome back to the Exxon. Great having you with us.
3: It's my pleasure, Rob. Thank you.
2: Um, So what have you been up to since you and I last talked uh, a couple of years ago?
3: Well, Rob, uh, we've been been getting the news out, of course, uh, Mm -hmm. through the airwaves, but... um, haven't been on any more expeditions except that we've been doing follow-up on expeditions already done to to bring further confirmation of of them and uh, their significance some some of them uh, with modern day uh, situations and what's developing in the world today because the past often does Mm -hmm. reflect on the future
2: it certainly does and uh, it seems no matter what happens we humans never learn but let me ask you this i was going over the information that you were kind enough to send us and I have to ask you, is it true that millions of tourists, thinking that they are at famous ancient sites, are really being taken not just to the wrong location, but to the wrong country? How does this happen?
3: Yes, they're being taken for a ride in the wrong oh. direction.
2: Oh,
3: <laughs> Well, I'll tell you how, how, what happened here. Okay. I was doing a British lecture tour mm-hmm. and announcing the discoveries that we were involved in, and some skeptics got an independent investigator, John Bishop, to go physically to some of the sites to say, see if I was telling the truth. Mm-hmm. And one thing that upset them was what uh, you, you just mentioned, that modern maps are wrong in drawing Mount Sinai in the so-called Sinai Peninsula in Egypt. The truth was that Mount Sinai is really in Saudi Arabia. Wow. And anyway, this man went, uh, he joined uh, with the tourists. He Mm -hmm. went on the tourist bus to the traditional Mount Sinai. Right. Um, And standing in the queue uh, waiting for the, uh, the bathroom, he met a couple from Nigeria. He said, do you believe that this is the real Mount Sinai? Well, from the looks, he received, you'd almost think he was asking, are we really on planet Earth? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but something kept ringing in his head. Right. An ancient document in the, in the biblical writings um, said that Mount Sinai is in Arabia. So he voiced his thoughts out loud to one of the guides. He says, look, if the Bible says that Mount Sinai is in Arabia and we're here in Egypt, well, then his voice trailed off. The implications sunk in not very welcome. And then another guide said, this is Moses burning bush. This is the bush that Moses stood in front of uh, when the bush was burning. Well, now Moses lived 2,500, 3,000 years ago.
2: Yeah, I was just going to ask you, could it possibly
3: be the same bush? Well, he drew a young guide to one side when Mm -hmm. most of the tourists weren't listening, and he said, do you really believe this is the bush? Oh, no. It's just a bush that the monks brought in here because it makes the tourists happy. Oh, for goodness sake. <laughs> you. And then one other anomaly that stood out like a mm-hmm. sore thumb was the pharaonic tombs and mining works, Egyptian relics all over the place. And the, the scripture says specifically that Moses and the Hebrews escaping from Egypt got out of Egyptian territory altogether so they wouldn't still be in in the place where they're having Egyptian quarries and and other Egyptian work. But the trouble is so many people are now making their living from this present industry, supposed mountain. Right. And the monastery receives thousands of dollars of donations and Egypt earns a lot more in tourist dollars and shekels. And the local Bedouins control the touring around the area. And... uh, Anyway, he was asking too many awkward questions, and would you believe it, Rob? He was arrested as he tried to leave Egypt on his plane.
2: Oh my gosh!
3: And uh, anyway, the plane wanted to go off, thinking he might be a terrorist or right. a drug smuggler mm-hmm. or something. So um, he spoke to somebody who was uh, not, you know, not in the picture too much, and says, "Can you tell them to wait for me? I, I don't. I've done nothing wrong. Yeah. I want to. I want to get out of this, and then go back home." Well, eventually he was allowed to go, and the plane actually was held up for a while. but some time later he did contact us again and says, "I've been arrested again, oh, God. but now only interested in pictures that I've been taking and 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 in books things are, so it's a big hoax. the whole thing has has been going on for ages now, and tourists are paying a lot lots of money to see something that really is not authentic."
2: Let me ask you this: That, that is that is so bad. It is so wrong, uh, and, and for the governments to be involved in this, you know, there's no excuse for this. It's it's just called greed, deception, lies, and fraud. But what explosive discovery is being covered up because it could actually start a war?
3: Well. Uh... This is something which goes right back to, to the same place actually that true Mount Sinai in Saudi Arabia mm-hmm. where Moses was told to lead the people and they camped there for quite a while and uh, a a temple, uh, a, a temporary temple called a, a tabernacle was, was built and in that was placed the centerpiece, the Ark of the Covenant. Now, it's the Ark of the Covenant that could potentially now start a war, Rob. It's very explosive.
2: Why could it start a war? What is the significance of, for, of the Ark of the Covenant for our listeners who may not know that it could actually cause a real war?
3: Yes. And, and, and for religious reasons as well as political reasons, mm-hmm. and perhaps I should cover both those. Okay. Okay. Now, the purpose of the Ark of the Covenant, it was a golden chest, mm-hmm. Uh, which contained the Ten Commandments, and the, the covenant was described as the Ten Commandments. Now, uh, what are the Ten Commandments? Well, really, we know scientifically that there are physical laws, uh, and like if you jump off a roof, you'll fall to the ground. Yes. Uh, if you put your hand on a hot fi- fire, you, you get burned. Mm-hmm. You know that those are those are undeniable laws. Right. Now, the spiritual laws are that if you do certain things, you'll hurt yourself and hurt others. Well, that makes sense, too. And the Ten Commandments is a list of spiritual laws, which are universal laws, um, how we how we treat our Creator, okay. how we regard Him, and how we regard our fellow human beings. And uh, that's the religious aspect, and the, the fact is we've all broken those laws, and uh, We have cut ourselves off virtually. We've sort of separated ourselves Mm -hmm. and become alienated against our maker by wanting to go our own sweet way, and that's why the world's in such a big mess. Now, the the, uh, message in the Ark of the Covenant was very simple, really, that uh, cut off from our Creator, death comes upon us because he's the life giver. okay, Okay. you cut yourself off from the source of life, you die and Mm -hmm. and we all die and yet uh, medically speaking there are scientists who say that we shouldn't really, we should keep on renewing ourselves because the stem cells that are released from our our, uh, spine into the bloodstream go in search and this is generally known, go in search of sick and dying cells elsewhere in the body and they replace them, but as we go through uh, years of of living mm-hmm. uh it just becomes less efficient now and so we do die uh but it shouldn't really happen we, we were created to enjoy life and have a wonderful time and 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 not be subject to death that's what the creator wanted but we cut ourselves off from him and uh, therefore we die now He loved us so so much that he wanted to uh, do something about it.
2: All right, what we're going to do here, uh, I I have to take a break, uh, Jonathan. Please stand by, and this is a bit of a cliffhanger because this is a very important uh, uh, story and a very important fact that you're going to be bringing up, and I don't want to have to uh, interrupt you as we get closer. ExoNation, our very special guest is Jonathan Gray. And uh, Jonathan's website is, are you ready for this, beforeus.com. That's www.beforeus.com. And uh, Jonathan and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break as we continue here in the X Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away and to each and every one of you since we're oh, nearly at the halfway mark in the month of December. A very Merry Christmas to one and all and nothing but health, happiness, love and spirituality
4: in the year 2019. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit,
5: sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price.
2: Family. It looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's mom and dad. For others, roommates who feel like family. ExoNation, our guest this hour is a very special guest all the way from New Zealand. Jonathan Gray is my special guest, and he is an international explorer, archaeologist, and author. And Jonathan has traveled the world gathering data on ancient mysteries. And uh, before we went to the break, you were telling us about the significance of the Ark of the Covenant. And if you could please continue, Jonathan, I'd appreciate it.
3: Yes, okay, thank you, uh, Rob. Um, The Ark of the Covenant virtually contained this message. Firstly, Mm -hmm that there are, are spiritual laws, we, we observe them, uh, we are happy and we live, we, we, we violate them, we, the ultimate result is death. But our Creator loved us so much that He wanted to do something about that. He couldn't bear to be separated from His creation. So He promised to send, or to actually come down Himself in the person of His Son, mm-hmm. who would become human, go through all the problems we go through, be victorious where we had failed, and then take our place and pay the penalty for us so that we could be free, because the law does have penalties if it's broken. This sure. is a man's law, and that reminds me of a man who was a, a well-known television, American television uh, celebrity who was travelling too fast along the road. And he was stopped by a speed cop, and the speed cop wrote out a ticket, And then as he asked for the man's driving license, he suddenly recognized the man and said, hey, my wife watches your show. She loves you. Oh, look, let me do something to help you. He went into his own wallet. He pulled out the $50 fine and says, look, I've paid the fine for you. The fine still has to be paid, but I'm taking your place. Here's the money. You go and pay it now with my money. And that's virtually what the creator wanted to do. He, Mm. He took our place, he who had done no wrong. Right. And... The, 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 the law was satisfied in that the penalty was paid, but we, the guilty ones, could go free. Now, that's the message of the Ark of the Covenant. And how was how that message? Well, this yeah. is how it works out. Inside that Ark, that box, there was the Ten Commandments, the law that all of us have broken. Right. Over that was placed a lid, and the name given to the lid was Mercy Seat. Hmm. And then once a year... Blood of an animal sacrifice, which was prophetic of this man who was going to come and shed his blood. Blood of an animal sacrifice was sprinkled on the mercy seat over the violated law. And the message was that our Creator will have mercy, but that mercy is only possible because someone's going to spill his blood on our behalf. That was the message, spiritually. Now, this ark was taken eventually up to the land of israel as the hebrews who mm-hmm. uh, were the recipients of it were placed in the crossroads of the world and the plan was that they should share this with the whole world and that's why they were put there in the middle of the three most populated co- continents right there in the middle and uh, uh, the uh, the city of jerusalem then became the receptacle for solomon's temple which actually was the continuation of the, the purpose of the, 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 the Saudi Arabian um, Ark of the Covenant. It was built to house that. That was its main purpose. Now, when the Babylonians came to, uh, uh, to uh, the land of Israel in 606, and then came back twice more and finally destroyed Jerusalem in 576 B.C., The ark was not among the the booty that they took away with them. In fact, uh, in the Old Testament records, it tells us exactly what was taken away by the Babylonians, and the ark was not there among that. It had been so so precious, was it? It had been secreted away to an underground location just outside the old walls of Jerusalem underground, where the Babylonians would never find it. And it remained lost for 2,500 years. And then it was found. And uh, the actual uh, contents of the ark still remained. The Ten Commandments were still remained in them. Now, according to uh, Jewish tradition, the ark would be found eventually again. Mm-hmm. But uh, when American archaeologist Ron Wyatt, after a three-year dig, claimed to have discovered the Ark of the Covenant under Jerusalem. He presented one object from the same cave to the Israeli authorities, and they were able to recognize it as from Solomon's Temple. And if you go to uh, Israel today, to the Israeli Museum, you'll, you'll see this object, which was found by Ron Wyatt in the same cave beside the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the Israeli authorities wanted to locate, relocate the Ark in a safer place because the part of Jerusalem where it was found was about 20 feet underground, under the Arab, very close to the Arab bus station, and they thought, well, this is not as safe a place as we'd like to have it. Right. So, so um, they, they wanted to get it out, but first of all, the antiquities uh, director, for Jerusalem at that time, Dr. Dan Bahart of the Hebrew University gave Ron a permit to make the digging. It took three and a half years for him to find it because it was a whole honeycombing of places underneath uh, uh, that area. The old records located where it should be, or not that near where the ark should be, but where the the crucifixion site took place, the crucifixion uh, a was a Roman method of execution, mm-hmm. as you know. Sure. And uh, crucifixion—the most famous person in history was crucified, Jesus Christ. And um, now, the, the 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 explosive part politically was this: as Ron Wyatt dug down in front of Skull Hill, mm-hmm. the place of the skull, which was part of the old quarry from right. which they took stones for Solomon's Temple. He found the crucifixion site with four cross holes in it. Now, there was a crack in the rock going down from the the most prominent one. The star attraction was the man that they wanted to get rid of most of all. I won't name him again. We just have done so. And from that that elevated uh, star attraction uh, execution site, there was a crack in the rock and went straight down 20 feet through the rock into the cave below. Now, in that rock, there was a black substance. It went straight down the crack, and when the, when the uh, ark was found in the cave below, that crack continued into the ceiling of that cave. So from the, the, the cross hole above down to the cave itself, there was this black substance which had trickled down, and uh, that black substance had to be tested. Now, it had fallen on the mercy seat. And uh, by some strange coincidence of history, Mm -hmm. the Ark of the Covenant had been placed under the future crucifixion site, and those that placed it there didn't know what was going to come later on. And when the Romans chose that site to crucify Jesus Christ, they didn't know what was waiting for it underneath. And thereby, this amazing twist of history, the blood went onto the mercy seat over the law. And that was a message for mankind that has what that's right there now in Jerusalem and still is there. Now, uh, the blood was tested. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, what happened was that the black substance uh, was tested. Right. First of all, in a laboratory in Jerusalem and then uh, in th- three laboratories in the United States. And what was found was that uh, from. That crack there had fallen human blood, and that blood, however, was different. It had it had different features from from normal right. human blood. And uh, without going in into the details of genetics, when the blood was tested, uh, normal human blood has a total of forty six chromosomes. Rob, mm-hmm. as you know. Yeah. And when a child is conceived, 23 chromosomes come from the mother and 23 come from the father. And uh, the the eggs produced by the female organism will be identical, containing X only I mean, X shaped chromosomes. And for her to pr- produce a male offspring, the addition of a Y is necessary. But that can only come from a man. And here was blood that actually did not have 46 chromosomes. It had 23 which were identified as from the mother. And there was only one other, and that was a single Y chromosome, which cannot happen with an earthly father, because an earthly father would also give 23 chromosomes, not just one. And therefore, this was a male who was crucified, but he had no earthly father. And that was the, that was the verdict of the laboratories, the scientific verdict, that this person had an earthly mother but not an earthly father. Wow. Which, of course, backs up the biblical story. Yep. Now, Ron Wyatt invited my wife, Josephine, and me to privately examine the blood analysis certificate at his home in Nashville, Tennessee. And the reason I mention this is quite important because it demonstrates his willingness to back up the truthfulness of his claim concerning the laboratory testing. All right,
2: hold on. We're going to have another break here, another cliffhanger. This is, a, this is an amazing story. This is truly earth-shattering. And uh, Jonathan, please stand by. Thank you so much for coming on the show and joining, uh, joining us and uh, for sharing this information with the world tonight.
3: Thank
2: you. My pleasure. Exxon Jonathan Gray is our special guest, and his website is BeforeUs.com. And Jonathan and I will be back on the other side of this news break as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Go away.
4: We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast, but the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying...
0: Don't wait. Visit SonoBello.com slash save com slash save sono slash save
2: Exonation Jonathan Gray is our special guest before us.com and Jonathan, what was it like for you and your wife at this gentleman's home looking at the the proof positive that Jesus Christ was, in fact, number one, a real person. Number two, his father was not a human as we know it. The evidence that you are holding supports the biblical account. How did you feel?
3: Oh, I, I, never. Life will never be the same, Rob. I. I it it's it's so impossible mm-hmm. to describe. It was like I was lifted out of this world into something very, very special that I'll I'll never appreciate this world on its own anymore without that. Uh, yeah. And I went to Oxford University to uh, in my one of my lecture tours through Britain and mm-hmm. Oxford University geneticist, Eugene Dunkley with whom I have discussed this matter personally, the chromosome count, he said, is evidence that this person had did have an earthly mother, but did not have an earthly father. He said beyond any doubt, and no geneticist would, would doubt it, would, would deny it. Now, uh, not only that, but it goes further. Okay. Uh, there is a there is a gentleman very well respected in the uh, in the religious world. His name is Henry Groover. Mm-hmm. He's worked uh, in over seventy countries around the world, and he gave me personally too some additional testimony. He said um, in Phoenix, Arizona, Arizona at the uh, there's an organisation which is worldwide. It's called the Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship. Now, at at the Southwest Regional Convention in Phoenix, Arizona, he said, I was at the table when Demos Shakurian, the founder of that organisation, had assembled a special meeting with Ron Wyatt. Unknown to Ron Wyatt, an attorney and a document specialist were going to be present. And the purpose of the meeting was to validate the certificates that Ron said he had received from the laboratories which would prove the authenticity of the samples taken from the crucifixion site and the Ark uh, of the covenant in Jerusalem. Now, Ron had with him a blue three ring binder containing those certificates and they were in plastic document protectors. Mm. And it included certificates from six labs, actually three in the United States, one in Jerusalem and one in Germany. And, uh, One of the lab result certificates pertained to the chromosomes of the dried blood Ron discovered in the cave beneath the cross holes that had flowed down onto the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. And uh, when Ron opened his blue three-ring binder, the document specialist said, may I have permission to remove the certificates from their plastic folders? Well, Ron reluctantly granted permission to remove them from the document protectors as long as he didn't tamper with the documents or perform ink tests on right. the signatures. And the man removed them from the plastic and looked at each certificate very carefully. And, you know, Rob, he, this, this document specialist had a very large, thick book with him. And he had, been, he had himself taken the effort to contact those same laboratories that Ron claimed he had been to. And uh, he had brought with him the names and the data for all the labs in those countries. And he was able to look up each lab in his own book, as well as the record numbers. And he had all the signatures in his book, and he compared them with the ones on Ron certificates. And he was also able to validate the record numbers from each certificate And he looked at each signature with a magnifying glass, just like a jeweler does. Right, okay. Now, when he had finished examining each one carefully, he said this, I would verify the authenticity of these documents to the top court in the United States. Wow. Now, he was a registered document specialist in the United States at that time. Now, when Demos Shakurian heard him say that, he just smiled, and then he said, Ron Wyatt, I want you now to be the keynote speaker at our upcoming fellowship conference here in this city. So um, there's some further validation, uh, apart from what I've given myself.
2: With all this information now, that that you have, yeah. and the authentic- uh, the authenticity of the, of the certificates, as well as the contents of the certificates have been validated that you know this was the the person who bled jesus had a mortal mother or a human mother but the fact that the father by all means seems to have met the criteria of god how come this information isn't blazing around the world
3: well, it should, it should be, Rob. Yeah. Uh, there are people who are trying to trying to suppress it, however. And uh, let me tell you something interesting. Please. Uh, Dan Barhart, who gave the, the, uh, the, the permit for Ron to start digging, mm-hmm. uh, as I said, he was a professor at the Hebrew University. Yes. Uh, and he was also in, in, the, in the Antiquities Department of Israel. Um, he decided he wanted to go and have a look at the ark himself. And so he he went toward the excavation site and as he was about 3 paces away from the the opening of the tunnel he collapsed on the ground totally paralyzed. Oh no. And he was paralyzed for about 2 weeks. And at the end of that 2 weeks he made a statement. He said I am not going to try to view that holy ark again. He says my life could be at stake. Now the the however the government the israeli government wanted to get this moved out and uh, so they sent six soldiers dressed as levitical priests in other words disguising themselves as holy priests right and they went in from the, the northern uh, uh, from uh, there's a, underneath actually near the damascus gate which is on the northern side of the old uh, jerusalem area mm-hmm. Uh, Just a few feet further to the east of that, there is a a little doorway that goes under Jerusalem, and it's the rest of the quarry from which Solomon's temple stone was quarried, and it's a huge cavern now. And um, in there, there was an entrance to go through the tunnel, which goes towards Gull Hill. Now, that tunnel is about 270 feet long. Uh, and as I mentioned, it goes about 20 feet under the street, uh, uh, below street level. These six men were sent in to retrieve the Ark of the Covenant, which was 270 feet in the the cave below the crucifixion site. Right. And they never came out. Now, my wife and I were in Jerusalem when this event happened. Uh, They never came out. Now, Ron Wyatt himself flew into Jerusalem. Uh, We'd arranged to meet him, but uh, he was delayed by a surgical operation, and he came in about a week late, but he contacted us again later and says, look, when I went in there, I always go to the antiquities department in Jerusalem and I invite them to use my equipment while I'm in Israel in case they can use it for some project that they're interested in. But this time, uh, they said, no, we don't need to borrow any equipment. But two weeks ago, something weird happened. We sent in these six men to retrieve the ark and mm-hmm. bring it to a safer place underground under the Israeli part of Jerusalem. But these men have not come back out. We, we don't want to go in. We don't want to risk ourselves. But we know that you have gone in and out there safely four times, uh, would you mind going in and seeing what's going on? So Ron went in and he got about uh, seventy feet in, mm-hmm. about twenty meters in, and here were these six men all lying on the ground uh, in the tunnel on their backs, with their eyes open, looking at the ceiling. The interesting thing about their eyes, the whole six of them was that they both they had both eyes crossed. Uh, one eye was was crossed one way, the mm-hmm. other eye was crossed the other way. The whole six of them. Wow. Now, now, I discussed this with a medical doctor, and he said, look, if whatever happens when a person has both eyes crossed, it's because he has a, a bilateral stroke. That means a, a simultaneous stroke on both sides of the body.
2: So these six so people these, had the, the same stroke at the exact same time.
3: Exactly at the same time. Now... Mm. Uh, we, we believe that this is not the Ark it's, it's, not, it's not anything wrong with the Ark itself, but this right. is a supernatural event. It's not natural. It's protecting. The Ark is being protected. But now, the reason, the reason uh, that there are people who would like to get hold of the Ark, and these would be both Israelis and possibly uh, no. Muslims as well.
2: All right, now we're going to have enough. Your timing is perfect. When we have to take this break, please stand by, Jonathan. This is our final break, and Exonation, our guest this hour, is Jonathan Gray, and his website is beforeus.com. And Jonathan and I will be back on the other side of this break as we wrap up this hour here in the Exon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. This, this interview should shake the hell out of the world. Like, we have oh, yes. unequivocal proof that the Bible is true. We have unequivocal proof that Jesus is real and that God is real. We'll, yes. do er- we'll do everything we can to get this word around, Jonathan, so please stand by. We'll be back on the other side of this break.
4: We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them.
2: Welcome back, everyone. As you may know, the, 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 the tag for this show is Searching for Answers Demanding the Truth. And what you're hearing this hour is the truth, unequivocal proof that the Bible is real, number one. Number two, Jesus walked the earth. Number three, God is the Father of Jesus. And number four, there is a a unified suppression that is being perpetrated so that this information does not get out. Well, we're going to do everything in our power to get this information out. And Jonathan, I want to thank you so much for bringing this to, the, to our attention and to getting this message out there. Um, and Jonathan has a book. It's entitled Ark of the Covenant. It's available on his website before us. Dot com as well as the books available on Amazon. As always, Jonathan, it's always great having you on the show. Uh, why is this information being suppressed? Who is suppressing it and why?
3: Very good. Okay. Now, um, the, the Israeli government mm-hmm. uh, is, is trying to suppress it. Um, what, what, what we have here in Israel, it's, Israel is sitting on a, a tinderbox at the moment where anything could happen. And uh, there are extremists among the, the people in Israel who uh, want to actually build a temple so badly that they're prepared to go to war with the Muslims to do so, to get rid of the Dome of the Rock mm-hmm. on, on, the, on the Temple Mount so they can build a third temple. Now, that, they are so keen on that that they don't mind having a war. And they believe that if they were to have the Ark of the Covenant in their possession, they would be immune from catastrophe. In other words, the Ark would save them in a case of war, and they'd win the war. And then they would put it as the centerpiece of their, uh, the, their temple after they've destroyed the the Muslims, who, who would be outraged by their attempt to destroy the third holiest Muslim site in the world. Right. Now, they're willing to do that, and the Israeli government's very nervous about it. And they did put out a rumor some time back that uh, just to test the waters to see what the result would be mm-hmm. and the rumor was that the ark of the covenant has been found only uh, they just put out the small rumor and there was a bloodbath within a few days and it was called the, the temple Mount Massacre in which scores of israelis and and Muslims d- died or wounded seriously so immediately they they realized that they that uh, they didn't want to face this, it would be a war for sure. Only the mention of it caused the bloodbath. So if if they actually physically showed it and revealed that they had it, it would be like a World War III right there in the Middle East. Why, That's the political yeah, angle on it.
2: But why wouldn't it be possible that that the Ark of the Covenant shouldn't have been? Shouldn't it bring peace? shouldn't it bring harmony shouldn't it bring love shouldn't it bring spirituality if it's from god
3: i do believe you're right on that rob yes yeah. it should but uh well there are enemies and the enemies will do their best to foment a war mm. and uh I'll tell you something, uh, the, the, the uh, opposition against the discovery is supernatural, just as the discovery itself, I would say, is a supernatural event that has has taken place. Um, when I started writing my book, I was not going to write a book about this. Uh, and uh, my wife and I are people of prayer. Right. We, 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 we felt strong impression that we had to do this. Mm-hmm. It wasn't in our plans, it was going to be costly, but it was going to be costly in both energy and and finance, but we decided that we would ask about it in prayer, and the impressions came strongly to both of us independently, yes, it has to go out. We have to put the news out. Now, each chapter was really something that we needed more information for, for example, We didn't have enough information to make a big book on this uh one one chapter for example was about joseph of arimathea now he was the man who gave jesus his own new unused tomb and gave him a a uh, an honorable burial you might say now the the sanhedrin the jewish religious hierarchy had wanted to get rid of jesus they made 11 attempts on his life during the three years, but his time had not come because it had to happen at a special time. Mm-hmm. That was also predicted. The time was predicted. And the prophecy said when it was going to happen. And so nobody could make it happen before. But once they had him, it was only because he allowed himself to be sacrificed. He knew why he had come. And the time had arrived. And, uh, the the Jewish Sanhedrin actually hated him so much because his, his uh, blameless life showed up their hypocrisy. And, and they were very jealous and, and very uh, antagonistic toward him right through his three years' ministry. Now, once they had him on the cross, they wanted to give him a criminal's burial also and throw him on the rubbish dump, the Gehenna rubbish dump just outside the Jerusalem walls, yes. uh, to die and be burnt with other criminals. But Joseph, a member of the Sanhedrin, uh, got an honorable burial for Jesus. Now, he was a marked man at that time, and we wanted to know what happened to him, because I didn't have the information. Mm -hmm. So my wife and I had a prayer session together at home, and we said, Lord, if you want this chapter to be written, you'll have to provide the information. Do you know what? I went to the post office that day, and I... Parcel had arrived from Great Britain, right across to Australia. Mm-hmm. It left Britain two weeks before, and what was in the parcel was a whole sheaf of information about Joseph of Arimathea that one man, a schoolteacher, had been collecting for twenty years. And he said, "I don't know if this will interest you, but he sent it and it arrived the very morning we needed it."
2: What did I mean, it, impeccable. it? It is. But what happened to Joseph?
3: Joseph actually was was, uh, arrested by Saul Mm -hmm. of Tarsus, and Saul got another dozen people uh, and arrested them, close followers of Jesus, and arrested them as well, took them down to a boat uh, at uh, Jaffa, uh, took away the sails and the oars from the boat, pushed them out to sea to die, and this way no one would get the blame. Oh, they just went out to sea and they died themselves. But Joseph actually, being a, a wealthy man and, and also having had a fleet, he knew the Mediterranean well. He ended up uh, successfully with his, his uh, companions on the south coast of France. From there he went to Britain, to Cornwall, to a, a little place called Glastonbury, where he used to have uh, a contact with the people before because he was wealthy from the tin mines of Cornwall and uh, he then uh, began saying that the Messiah has come. And the whole of Britain accepted it because Joseph actually was talking to people who had had the prophecies already and but didn't know uh, anything about Jesus Christ having risen from the dead mm-hmm. until Joseph came to England and and told them. And the Joseph story is an interesting one. I'm going to write a book, and I'm calling it The, the Man Who needed two graves because he'd need a second grave since he gave his first one away. Right, And it's a very interesting story, Joseph of Arimathea. He ended up in Britain, and he was the result of Britain becoming the first Christian nation.
2: Isn't there also a connection between Joseph and the, um, oh my, the Holy Grail?
3: Uh, there is said to be, but I haven't been able to confirm mm-hmm. it.
2: So what do we do with this great amount of information that you have? You know, the information that, that proves so very much, Jonathan. The information that, that will turn hearts that are, that are rock into hearts that love and will live again. Because everything that is in the Bible is proven to be correct. What do we do? How do we get this information out there?
3: Well, I think Rob, uh, you and I uh, uh, may be small fish in, in the total sea, but mm-hmm. if we can tell others to share it as well, uh, th- this is this is not about selling a book. It's not about money. I, I'm I happy understand. To that. Give it away. That's uh, uh, and uh, this is, this should go out free to everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's information It's so precious and so valuable.
2: It's earth changing.
3: Yes, it is. It's earth changing. And uh, and. Uh, 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 I'll tell you something that happened to the book. Mm -hmm. When I was giving a lecture in in Australia at a place called Emerald in the town hall, a husband and wife traveled 200 miles just to come to a one-hour lecture. This was about the Ark of the Covenant. Right. They went home. The lady took a a copy of the book with her. Her husband went to work. A little six-year-old girl was at school. Mm -hmm. The mother decided to pick up the book. And... uh, uh, suddenly she felt it being pulled out of her hands by an invisible force and a voice came and said to her mom you don't want to read that rubbish let me throw it away for you and he threw it across the room the book was actually was snatched out of her hand and thrown across the room now when she got home she told her husband a scary thing that had happened right and uh, she was sitting at the ta- she was sitting or rather standing at the sink washing the dishes and suddenly she felt hands around her waist and she was lifted up toward the ceiling and she was physically in front of her husband and in front of her little six-year-old daughter thrown across the room.
2: Jonathan, I hate to do this, but we're out of time for it tonight. We'll get you back on in the very near future so we can work together to get this information out there. But until then, my friend, thank you for all the great work that you do. You will be blessed. And um, all I can say is thank you from the world. An exonation. if you'd like to uh, find out more about our guest this hour, Jonathan Gray, his website is BeforeUs.com, and the name of his book is Ark of the Covenant, and it's available at Amazon.com and other places. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't
4: go away. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast but the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them, and if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you.